0: American Bandwagon Podcast. This is our official episode one. I've got with me my co-host. How you guys doing? Zach
1: Falidor here. I know we're a couple hours away from each other. And actually, Sam, when you just said that right now, it made me realize that uh, we've only met a few times over Zoom. Mm-hmm. I know. I realize you probably don't know how to say my last name. I don't know how to say your last name.
0: We'll see. Like I was just going for it so you could introduce yourself. Yeah, so I got you. Why. No, no, I got you. But that
1: I, I understand. But that made me think. Like I don't know how to say his last name. I'm gonna guess it's Tillman. Tillman. See, P- Tillman. see,
0: every every single time someone says Tillman, and the, yeah. the H is not silent, but it's all good. Like I've <laughs> I've experienced that my entire life. But yeah, I, this is our first official episode. Are you excited, Zach? I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. I. A long-time fan of of the
1: Mac, um, you know it's crazy. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was on the Hustle Belt website and I saw the the article of like you know uh, asking them you know people them asking people to join as contributors. And I just saw it in email, just thinking like uh, maybe nothing will probably come of this. Well now, you know, three weeks later, here we are hosting a podcast. It's pretty cool, so I'm excited about it. Excited to talk Mac football.
0: Yeah, and I I think you mentioned it perfectly. Just like a couple of weeks ago, I was just randomly on the website or randomly just searching online, found the link to apply to Hustleville. I got on, started chatting with James, the creative director, who was featured on last episode. And we got this podcast rolling. I think it's going to be a really fun thing that we get going on, not only in entertainment wise, informative, but I thought it would be best to kind of introduce ourselves, our kind of backgrounds and how we got to kind of where we are today. So Zach, I'll let you go first.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, I am, I'm not an alum of a Mac school. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I live in Pittsburgh now. I went to college at Penn state. Um, so Penn state is kind of like my, my first allegiance. That's my, my first rooting interest, but I've always had, I've always loved the Mac. Um, you know, I grew up playing like the NCAA football games on PlayStation, PlayStation two always loved, you know, you can start a dynasty and, and, you know, pick a, pick a, a, you know, a, kind of a team with a lower rating and build them up to be national champions. I used to do that with Mac teams all the time. I loved it. I love the conference. I love, you know, some of the, the, um, I love it. I feel like it's a very unpredictable conference. It's a conference where every year you have a team or two that comes out of nowhere, surprises people. You have a lot of underdog type of players that go on to the next level and succeed, um, that, you know, might get drafted in the lower rounds of the NFL draft and the NBA draft or whatever the case may be. Um, so I've just again I've just been a, lo- a fan of the Mac for a long time. Um I'm a junkie for college football, so whenever the Mac started playing games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, I was all in for that. There's, you know, I I love there's nothing better than watching, you know, Eastern Michigan and Akron play on a Wednesday night in November when there's nothing else on. I mean, I, I that's that's nothing else i'd rather watch on a wednesday so i just i'm a big fan of the mac in general i think the maction idea of playing on weeknights was kind of a they were kind of ahead of their time in doing that and i think we've seen other conferences start to follow that trend um but I, i'm just excited to be a part of of being able to, to to cover the conference be a part of this community now
0: yeah so i i have a little bit different a uh, very different route than zach so I was an IU fan growing up. My dad was an I.U. alumni. I was planning on going to I.U. But when I decided to go to Ball State, I kind of just switched to years. I was all about the match, and I was all about just just like seeing the like community and support for this. Where let's be honest, it's not the biggest conference by any means. It it, it doesn't meet like the Big Ten or Big Twelve, but there's just such a like a community spirit that I love. Okay guys, we have a special segment for you guys in the few recent developments that impact the Mac to let you know what's going on and I'll let you take it away Zach. What has been going on through the Big 10 and uh, ACC that has made us record this emergency uh segment. Yeah, man, it's been
1: it's been a crazy 24 hours here as as far as um, you know, college football news goes. So Yesterday, the Big Ten announced that the, um, they were going to be doing conference-only football for, for the 2020 season. Um, that's a pretty big deal for the MAC because the MAC had 11 games scheduled uh, with the Big Ten uh, this year for the non-conference season. A couple teams, even there, uh, a couple MAC teams had three games or two games, excuse me, scheduled with the Big Ten. You had Central Michigan, Ball State, uh, Northern Illinois. Bowling Green, all four of those programs had two games scheduled against the Big Ten. So obviously the the scheduling implications of that are that those teams too now have two open weeks. So we're going to have to see um, what other adjustments happen over the next you know, couple of weeks as, as the season gets a little bit closer. Um, but I think the other thing about this that really can't be overlooked is is kind of the financial impact that this is going to have on the Mac, you know a lot of these teams are going to be losing out on millions of dollars. Um, As you know, over the years, Sam, you know, these have been, you know, come to call like guarantee games or buy games uh, where the power five team essentially pays a group of five team to come play them in their uh, stadium uh, in the non-conference schedule. So like central Michigan, central Michigan's losing out on $2 million uh, combined from, from Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, Ball State same thing with Michigan and Indiana combined they're losing out on like 1.7 million. Um, So for these teams that you know football kind of funds their entire athletic department um, that's going to be that's going to be tough for those those athletic departments to overcome so um, certainly disappointing news for the MAC, but, um, you know, we'll we'll see what they do the next couple weeks moving forward if they decide to go conference only or, um, you know, what kind of, you know, solutions they come up with. It looks like the ACC is going to do the same thing that the Big Ten did too.
0: Yeah, and and I think you bring up two really solid points. One, the financial aspects. These Mac schools need these kind of Big Ten schools and Power Five kind of games to increase their revenue because, let's face it, they're not bringing in the revenue from ticket sales. So they schedule these games for the $2 million to increase their budgets, give them a nice cash flow, and it's just – with all these different schools um, cutting programs like Stanford I recently saw, it's going to put teams like Bowling Green, Ball State, yeah. uh, Central Michigan, who just lost $2 million. Yeah, It's it's tough to replace that even with donors, athletic funds. And when you factor in, they're not going to – I don't see a way how they're going to recover that because it looks like it's t- starting to turn towards no fans in the stands, so you're not going to have that – like yes, you're gonna have the T V deals and the TV rights and the and that sort of money, but it's not gonna make up for the loss. And then how it affects this podcast, me and Zach actually had a trap game segment planned as I as we tweeted out earlier this week. That is basically a no go anymore because yeah. there's yeah. probably not gonna be any non conference games because who are you gonna schedule against if everybody's going conference? Yeah. So yeah. So Zach, so what do you what? So my opinion is, with only going conference, what do you make of this season? Like, what are you, what is your overall thoughts on? Let's face it, we're going to have a conference-only season this this yeah. year. Yeah,
1: um, I mean, I, I certainly think that it's it's better than nothing, um, and and I certainly hope that you know if um if that conference, if the non-conference, you know, if the if the MAC has to scrap the non-conference completely and just go to a conference model. Um, you know, I, I hope that they'll find a way to be able to do that and and still um, make a profit off of it and, and and keep these programs afloat. You know, I think that you look at you look at last year or or historically. You mentioned the kind of like the revenue streams, right? I think when you when you think about Mac teams, you have the your revenue from the buy-in games and you have ticket sales, and those are really kind of like your two uh, pillars of revenue for football. I, I you know um you know tv revenue is certainly there as well but not as much as it would be in a power five conference i read an article this morning in the detroit free press Uh, It was written by evan petzel we want to make sure i give credit to him but he used central michigan as an example and last year um, the the guaranteed money that central michigan got from their two buy games versus wisconsin and miami florida um, those, the buy games, uh, the revenue from those buy games made up 34% of their revenue. And the second biggest revenue stream that they had was ticket sales was 16%. So that's 50% of your revenue right there. That is potentially completely wiped out this year. Because even if we do, do go conference only there, I, I, I can't see a reason there would be fans in the stands. I can't imagine a scenario where they allow that. So, um, I was thinking, you know, one thing that I was thinking about maybe just getting creative, if I was the Mac, trying to find a way, uh, a solution where if you're only going to go conference games, try and find a way to maybe get more of those games on television, right? So you think about the, the traditional kind of mac uh format where you have games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights maybe you play all of your conference games, maybe play all your games on Tuesday and Wednesday nights and you can get them all on ESPN, ESPN Two, or maybe you shift them around in some other way that you can get them still on TV and get some television revenue. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I just think that um, if they are going to go conference only, I hope that they can get creative a little bit with it and find a way to replace some of that money.
0: Yeah. And, and this, I will say, even though we've been in, like this coronavirus time for so long i think even though these things are happening it's gotten to the, to a place where the athletic directors have at least had time to prepare they've had scenarios in place yeah. like i remember reading an article where like um beth gets the athletic director for ball state i think in the star press like she had losing the con- non-conference in kind of one of her scenarios and i think even with the bad news that we're losing the non-conference i hope that they can keep the programs around because they've had time to prepare since whenever basketball season was postponed until now. So they've had several months to prepare. While I don't know exactly what they're doing, the MAC hasn't really said their plan moving forward. I would assume it's a conference-only thing. And then another thing I just had a thought about, what if we do like a bracket-style thing or a double elimination tourney at the end Mm -hmm. of the year? Like have a hub – in Cleveland, Ohio, where they were going to have the MAC championship and just have some sort of postseason thing because they only want to play conference, they they would bring in sales. I, I think that could be a cool idea that they could possibly do.
1: Yeah, that is a cool idea, and I, and I think if you know if you're if you're one of the Group of Five conferences right now, whether it be the MAC or the Mountain West or the Sun Belt or anything like that, I, I think they're just they're going to have to get creative, and I, and I mm-hmm. think you know. I don't think any ideas can be off the table for them right now if they're trying to think about how they're going to replace some of the revenue they're losing here. So um, it's going to be an interesting college football season. I think we all knew that. We've, we've all known that it's not going to look, uh, you know, the same way that a traditional college football season would. I think this Big Ten news is really just kind of the first domino. Again, we, we talked a little bit. There's, there's been some rumblings now that the ACC and, and the Pac-12 are going to do the same thing. Uh, that the Big Ten did and and, and announce here in the next couple of days that they're going to be going conference only. If the ACC decides to do that, the MAC loses four more games, um, including you know Akron's playing Clemson, Miami's playing Pitt, Western Michigan was spe- supposed to play a home game versus Syracuse. Syracuse was going to travel to Kalamazoo to play the Broncos, so that would uh, that would suck on multiple levels for for the Western Michigan program uh, to lose a home game against a Power Five team, but. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting fall, Sam. I'm going to – it's going to be, you know, I'm curious to see how, how the MAC uh, reacts to this.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think one thing to bring up, as the, from the fans' perspective, this, this thing is going to – is basically going to suck for us. We're going to have less games unless they decide to do a 12-game conference schedule, which I don't really see happening. But an eight-game conference schedule at this point, it's like there's going to be less match and less college football – It's just going to stink. But, yeah, we just wanted to kind of do this emergency segment on Friday, the day we're released, because things have dropped. This was important to cover. And, yeah, unless you had any final thoughts, Zach, I thought we would go back to the regular podcast.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this this news to me is 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 kind of depressing. So I'd rather move on, get back to some actual, you know, some fun content, mm-hmm. and talk a little bit more about uh, our hope for for what the max season could bring moving forward. So um, yeah, obviously, I think this news is going to continue to to develop, and I'm sure next week uh, on our next episode there will be more of this to discuss. But I think for now we'll just have to see uh, what happens and and how this can continue uh, or how, excuse me, how this story continues to evolve. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I think that's going to wrap it up for this emergency podcast section. If there's any new developments, we'll probably add on to the next episode. So me and Zach had this opportunity, a kind of amazing opportunity, to go on to the call to action podcast. If you guys don't know what that is, kind of the official Max Sports podcast. And I don't know about you, Zach, but I wanted I wanted to kind of get your kind of feedback on. How you thought the appearance went? Um, yeah,
1: I thought it was great. Uh, first off, um, many thanks to, to Jeremy Guy and uh, Eric uh, Kwiatkowski for, for having us on there. Um, go follow their podcast, the, the, the Call to Mac Action podcast. Go follow them on Twitter as well if you can. But yeah, be, them being the official um, podcast of the Mac, I thought it was very generous of them to have us on. Um, to to do a little bit of promotion, I think that kind of speaks to you know what we were talking about a few minutes ago is kind of like the community of of the Mac. You know, for them to reach out to a podcast on just a uh, you know a, a fan website um, is is pretty awesome, and they certainly didn't have to do that. But um, you know, I really enjoyed talking with them, and and uh, was appreciative uh, of them for you know, for giving us a couple minutes on their platform. I thought it went really well. They seem like great guys. I'm I'm looking forward to working with them in the future.
0: Yeah, I thought everyone really wanted – they were very generous enough to let us promote our podcast. Uh, we're very thankful for them having us on. We're just starting out, so any promotion kind of helps us at this point. We're in the same boat, and I think what works best is kind of we're, we're yes, in the same field, sort of Max Sports and talking about max and whatnot, but we're kind of aiming for two different things. They have to be more – I think I think a good way to say it would be their
1: their their podcast being that they're mm-hmm. you know official employees of the Mac and officially mm-hmm. you know uh, affiliated with the Mac. I think mm-hmm. more more informational and, and more mm-hmm. so just reporting. Whereas as a fan site here, you know we're able we have a little bit more leeway to give opinions and stuff of that nature, mm-hmm. um, which is something they want to avoid, which we completely you know I, I completely understand that. So yeah, there I think there's a little bit of a, of, a, of a difference in like the angle of our coverage here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, like we were talking about uh, before, before we um, jumped off the call with them, Sam, like I mean, as far as it comes to, you know, podcasts covering the MAC, I mean, there's us and there's them. There, there's no other podcasts that, that we're aware of um, that, that are covering the conference. So I think between the two of us, um, it's cool that we can both kind of cover, you know, cover the, the conference from a different angle.
0: So if you aren't following us on Twitter, uh, at MAC underscore bandwagon, that's where we're going to be posting every single episode. I have the episode zero pinned at the top, so it's really easy to find. But I recent, or we recently tweeted out kind of a episode preview, and so we wanted to just jump right into the first segment where we're going to talk about our offensive, defensive, and special teams players to watch, and I'll let you go first, Zach. So I think...
1: Offensively, uh, to start off with that, I think the, the player I'm really looking forward to watching this year is is Dustin Crumb, the, the the senior quarterback from uh, from Kent State. Started off last season, he was not the, the starter there. If, if you recall, Kent State had Woody Barrett uh, slated as their starting quarterback beginning last season, who was a he was a transfer from Auburn. After Kent State lost Week One at um, Arizona State, offense didn't look too well. Uh, Sean Lewis made the switch and and plugged in Dustin Crum and um, Dustin Crum in my opinion really is the reason why Kent State turned their season around and got to a bowl game last year they won their last three games of the season to get make it to six and six and then they went down the tropical smoothie bowl down in Texas and defeated Utah State 51 to 41 but I mean Dustin Crum I mean completed 69 percent of his passes on the year 2,625 passing yards and he also led the team in rushing yards with 707 rushing yards. So he's a dual threat guy. He's a veteran leader. He's a senior this year. through threw 20 touchdowns last season and only two interceptions, which you're not going to get much better than a 10-to-1 uh, touchdown to interception ratio. I think, for me, um, people are really sleeping on Kent State this year in the MAC, and I think they are a, um, a team that could surprise some people and could potentially win the Eastern Division and get to – Ford Field uh, for the MAC championship game in December, and Dustin Crum is is a big reason why I think that. So I, I think he's a guy that could potentially be the conference player of the year. I'm looking for big things from him this season uh, for the Golden Flashes.
0: Yeah, I, I think you definitely bring up an excellent name to bring up in Dustin Crum. I remember him just watching, him basically torch the Ball State defense, putting up 41 points. It obviously was away, so I had to watch it on my TV. But he, he is just another animal. I feel like you're going to see him rising a lot of draft boards this season. And so for my offense, I kind of had a different angle for it. So when I was thinking about this, I was like offensive and defensive and special teams players to watch. And I didn't really want to go for kind of the favorites, if you want to call. I wanted to go for a different twist. And I wanted to see who is going to truly break out that you – didn't really have your eye on. And so that's why for my offense, I went with Justin Hall, who was first team All-Mac, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on Justin Hall. I was going to say Caleb Huntley, but I just see Justin Hall taking the biggest leap forward. If you don't remember, Justin Hall was the uh, guy against IU who had that sports center top 10 play where he hurdled the defender and he continued to slowly impress. He eventually led the Cardinals in receiving yards and catches, And with Riley Miller, who was a senior last year, one of those senior leadership guys who got a lot of catches, over 600 yards, he's going to be the number one guy moving forward. And I could see him get 800, 900 yards. And I see him getting in possibly in the double-digit touchdown range because it seems like he's a guy that Drew Plitt likes to, to target, and not to mention the Cardinals led the league or led the conference in points per game last season.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a great pick, Sam. And and honestly, I love Justin Hall for a couple different reasons. First of all, I mean, as you mentioned, he was first-team All-Mac last year. He's a great dynamic threat on the outside. But a a lot of the reason why I think Justin Hall will have a a great year this year is really just because the Ball State offense in general, I think, is loaded with talent. And so defenses aren't going to be able to just focus on him, you know, you mentioned Drew Clitt at quarterback. I think he's a, one of the probably the most underrated quarterbacks in the conference. I was really impressed with him last year, and then Caleb Huntley in the backfield. You know, when it comes to running backs in the MAC, everyone likes to talk about Jared Patterson from um, from Buffalo, but I think Caleb Huntley's right there as well for one of the best backs in the Mid American Conference. So defenses are going to have so much to worry about when they're facing the Cardinals this year that I think Justin Hall. I agree with you. I think he could, you know, get up there and top. Eight nine hundred yards. I could easily see him getting double digit touchdowns as well. So I think that's a great uh, a great choice.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to the defensive side of the ball here. Defense wins championships, as everybody knows. Their father has said that probably ten times in their life. Who do you have kind of breaking out on the defensive side of the ball in the MAC conference?
1: Yeah, I really really like this uh, this guy from uh, Miami Ohio, Manny Rugamba. He's a cornerback. So he started out his college career. At um at Iowa and transferred to uh, to Miami and was eligible for last season. So he's a senior this year, but it's only his second year at Miami. But um he's coming off a a great junior season last year. He was third team All MAC and um, he was also the um, defensive player of the game in the MAC championship game. If you'll recall upset Central Michigan in uh, in the uh, MAC championship game last year at Ford Field in Detroit. Uh, he had 11 tackles in that game, and, and again one Defensive Player of the Game. He also, I mean, he was uh, fourth on the team in tackles for the entire season last year with 85. So to have a cornerback um, up in your top, you know, top five of tackles is is really saying something. And, and uh, on top of that, you know, this is a guy that has all the measurables and the athleticism uh, to be a contributor at the NFL at the next level. Um, you know, you look at draft lists and, and top prospects from the conference, um, Manny Rugamba is, is at near the top of the list in terms of MAC prospects that the NFL is looking at. I think I could easily see him getting drafted in the middle rounds this coming year, uh, the NFL draft. I think he's poised to have a big senior season, and um, he's a big part of that defense, which, you know, a lot of people have Miami near the top of the Eastern Division this year. A big reason for that is the defense, and a big reason why that defense is so well-regarded is because of
0: Manny Rivera on the back end. And for my defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with someone who I think is even more underrated than Justin Hall. Someone who's just, you don't really talk about when you talk about Max sports and that's Samuel Womack, who is a defensive back for Toledo. So not only does he share the name with me, which kind of helps in my mind, you know, it doesn't hurt to (laughs) have the same name as me, but, Sam Womack after last season did not receive an all-Mac nod after last season. I think they should have. Sam Womack had only two interceptions on the season, which is okay. But he had second in the nation in pass deflection with 17. Now, Toledo wasn't the best last season going six and six. But Sam Womack was getting targeted repeatedly and repeatedly and holding his kind of end of the bargain. And I think people are just sleeping on that Toledo team, sleeping on Sam because the team as a whole didn't do too well compared to previous seasons. I think Sam's going to prove why he deserves some respect, why he deserves to be on an All-Mac team this upcoming year.
1: Yeah, and I I do agree with you. I think uh, Womack, I think he was a little bit underappreciated last year. And I think part of that, though, is probably kind of what you touched on. I I don't know so much that that was a reflection of his play, but maybe – more so a reflection of the disappointing season that Toledo had last year. I think a lot of people expected Toledo to, to win the conference uh, preseason or at least win the East, uh, you know, the West Division and make it to Detroit. Obviously, they didn't live up to expectations. But um, I, I do agree with you. I mean, to lead the nation in, in passes defended is, a, is an impressive stat, no, no matter what else went on. So I think I, I agree with you. I think for, for Toledo to bounce back, um, and have a, a better season this year, they're going to need to lean on their defense a little bit. I think their defense um, slowed them down a little bit uh, at times last year, and that there's a couple games that probably slipped away from them because of that. But I think, uh, you know, if they're going to have a bounce back here this year, they're going to need uh, a better performance from their defense. And I, I think Sam Willmeck could be a big part of that.
0: So now we're finally going to do our special teams of the big For me, I don't know about you, Zach. There wasn't so much to pick from because we had several people graduate, like Samuel Slowman for Miami yeah. Ohio. But there wasn't so much people to pick from. But I think you got you t- picked one that is definitely gonna be a solid player to watch.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going back to back to the Kent State. Well, again, um, Matt Trickett, the the kicker uh, from Kent State, he's got a a, a big leg. Uh, he's accurate. He led the MAC last year with 29 made field goals, also did not miss on a single one of his extra points, which probably doesn't sound like a big deal, but, but I think uh, 100% on, on o- over 30 extra points is, is pretty good. Um, he has the leg and the accuracy, like I said. Uh, I think he'll have a chance to make it to the next level and play on Sundays, potentially. Last year, he was 10 for 13 on field goals of 40-plus yards. He uh, at the beginning of the season uh, before Kent State really turned things around, they were in a dogfight with with FCS Kennesaw State, which any you know any time you lose to an FCS team that spells disaster. Kent State did, certainly did not want to do that, and um, Trickett came in and hit a few goal. Um, in overtime that that saved that game for Kent State so I think he can make the kicks under pressure he's, he's got a big leg he's accurate I could see uh, Trickett winning a couple games for, for Kent State this year.
0: Yeah I, I see Trickett having a big impact when you look at Kent State it's not so you don't just have to worry about Dustin Crum anymore you have to worry about the field position because a lot of kickers in the college, let's face it, they can't hit 40, 50, 60 yeah. yards. So you also have to take that into, a, in, in, into effect. You just It's just a lot more that goes into it when you have such a dynamic weapon like a kicker that can boot a yard 40, 50 yards. I'm a big for-the-brand kind of supporter. I'm a special teams guy who thinks special teams plays a big part in field position, how certain team wins games. It's just a a big thing that people overlook at time, and so I wanted to talk about a punter, and that will be Matt Ferentz out of Northern Illinois. He had a solid forty three average for this season, which is only point eight away from the league leader. Not to mention his long for the season was sixty three yards, which means not only do you does he have a solid average when he kicks it far, he kicks it far. So. He hits bombs. He can also hit, uh, pin the opponent deep. He had 19 inside the 20 punts, which means he's also a guy that you have to look out for. He'll pin the offense deep inside their own goal line. Maybe get a safety out of it for the team. So he's definitely a weapon for Northern Illinois moving forward that you guys should be looking out for.
1: Anytime you have a punter like that that can really bomb the ball and flip field position for you, I think that's something that's very underappreciated um, you know because I mean you're not going to you're on offense let's be honest I mean you're, you're not going to go down and, and put points on the board every possession so if there's times where you're going to have to flip the field and having a good punter that can do that for you like uh, like Matt Ferentz can I think that's a big thing and I think I think you know we were talking about Toledo a couple minutes ago having kind of a disappointing season last year I think Northern Illinois is another team that's in that same boat so um, you know if, if they're going to want to bounce back this year and get back to a bowl game where I know that they expect to be as a program um, you know he's going to have to play his part and, and the fact that he had I mean 16 total punts over 50 yards last year that's that's pretty impressive so it'll be interesting to see um, how he's able to help the Huskies this year.
0: So we have two Twitter responses when we asked uh, let us know who you guys have kind of breaking out this season and I don't want to pronounce this, but I think it's maniacal said, can I say Dwayne Eskridge since it sounds like he'll be back in offense full-time, maybe a big year for Sean, Sean, Sean Tyler, depending on how transfers go. So I wanted to get your opinion, Zach on, do you see Dwayne Eskridge or Sean Tyler um, breaking out this season? What are, what is your kind of feedback on his response?
1: I think both are pretty, pretty good, pretty good choices. I think when you look at Eskridge, yeah, so last year obviously splitting time a little bit, playing playing some defense as well. But if you look back at like the 2018 season on offense for him, the last year he focused mainly on just wide receiver. I mean, 38 catches for 776 yards. That's 20. That's I mean, you're looking at over 20 yards per catch there, and three touchdowns to go along with that. I think if you know getting him back and and fully focused on offense this year could be a great thing for for the Western Michigan offense. I know. I know we t- keep talking about this theme of kind of teams that are coming off of somewhat disappointing seasons last year. Western Michigan did make it to a bowl game last year, but we I don't think they had the, the, situa- uh, the, the season that they expected to. I think getting him more involved in the passing game again this year could definitely um, help them out. And then when it comes to Sean Taylor – Um, I, I liked what he did last year. I mean, averaged over five and a half yards per carry on 68 carries, which is not too shabby at all, but a big reason why I like him to step up a little bit more this year is because obviously, um, you're, you're replacing Levante Bellamy at, at Western Michigan, who was the, the Mac offensive player of the year last year. And so losing a back of that caliber, obviously those are big shoes to fill. Um, that's a big uh, gap in in the Western Michigan offense, obviously somebody's going to have to fill that. And I think after the way that um, Tyler acquitted himself last year as a true freshman, I think it would only be natural to assume that he's going to step into that role and, and try to, to um, make up for that some of that production that they lost with Bellamy
0: leaving so I think I think straight away I think this guy's a Western Michigan fan he included yeah, two yeah, Western yeah, Michigan yeah, guys but I'm not going to put that on him they he brought up <laughs> two solid names that I definitely see as potential impacts when you think of Sean Tyler I go to him first as you mentioned replacing Levante Bellamy's shoes there's going to be a lot of carries up for grabs and if he could get 20 30 carries a game like Bellamy did the previous season could be in a big workload he averaged about five yards a carry so when you look at that that's probably going to be multiple hundred yards games and when when you're trying to find a back I think Sean Sean Tyler who's had the carries had the experience kind of in this offense he's definitely one to look out for and when you look at Sean or Dwayne Eskridge who didn't get a lot of kind of receiving looks last year but as you mentioned the previous two seasons, when they've targeted him on offense, had him in a big role. He's produced 500 yards in 2017, 700 yards in 2018. So if they continue to put him back in the offense, I think he could have a big year as long as they they shy him away from playing defense as much. So our our second comment of today is from Moore Ross. He said, Tony Collision has NFL size in his second offseason as tight end full-time. I expect a huge year from him as a security blanket target, especially because of the QB uncertainty. What is your kind of take on Tony Pullgin? You know what? Um,
1: I'm going to be completely honest with you. Before I saw this comment come through, I wasn't too familiar with, uh, with Polijin and his body of work. Doing some research on him, though, um, he hasn't a really interesting... Path. so it looks as if he was recruited out of high school to be a quarterback and um, and you know as a freshman in 2017 was actually on the roster as a quarterback slash tight end he actually complete he threw 17 passes as a freshman in the 2017 season so to see him switch over from a quarterback to a really really physical position in tight end is an interesting switch and certainly not one that you see very often, but I mean, at six, seven, 260 pounds, he certainly has the frame to be a tight end. And I mean, yeah, if you look at his season last year, you know, I, I, I would say to me, it doesn't strike me as him as someone that was under the radar. I mean, he was second team all Mac last year, caught 33 passes for almost 500 yards, average 15 yards uh, per reception. Obviously you know, this is a guy that is a an established target within the Central Michigan offense. And as uh, Greg McElwain gets into his second year now, um, I think always when you have a coach in that situation, they're looking for some consistency and some continuity to carry over from the previous year. And the fact that he started all 12 games last year and the fact that he caught 33 passes and uh, four touchdowns, I could see him being a, a consistent target in this year's offense as well. So I would expect him to build upon uh, his his performance last year. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, a guy that's six seven two sixty like that and can catch the ball. It'll be interesting to see if it, you know what kind of look he gets at the next level.
0: Yeah, and I I think he has all the makings to have kind of a season to look out for. Obviously, mm-hmm. you mentioned his stats. He's he's been proven. But the only thing that worries me is they don't really know who's gonna be their quarterback next year. They have a couple yes. quarterbacks kind of in the mix. They haven't really figured it out, and that worries me. Of course. Um, I'm the mindset that like, tight ends are security blankets, as he mentioned. He's got the athleticism to produce. But some quarterbacks just don't like tight ends. It's just the way that some quarterbacks work. And to me, I, I would like him. I could see him doing another 500-yard season multiple touchdown. I'm just, I would like to see who they name at quarterback first before I put him in that kind of breakout performance because we don't know who their leader is going to be who he likes to feed it to they don't really have much chemistry there so no
1: and I I agree with you anytime you're talking about a guy at the wide receiver or the tight end position obviously their their production is going to be dependent upon the guy throwing them the ball and and the chemistry that they have together so that is a very valid point it'll be interesting to see uh who comes out on top of of the the quarterback battle up there in, uh, in Mount Pleasant
0: and I think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Zach, did you have any final thoughts on anything from our first segment to our last segment? Is there anything you wanted to tell the people out here?
1: I think I'm good. I think I'm, good. I, I think, uh, I'm really excited uh, to see where this podcast goes. I'm excited for our audience to take the ride with us. Um, I would just ask them again to you know follow us on Twitter, follow the podcast on Twitter. Um, if you go to our Twitter page, Uh, on the podcast you can find me and Sam handles you know follow us both we tweet out stuff all the time on there so really looking forward to interacting with the fans here and and, uh, seeing how this goes
0: yeah and uh, one thing I want to mention is we want to make this as interactive and we want you guys to enjoy this podcast so let us know any feedback you have if you have any possible suggestions we could use it for possible segments again answer those Twitter questions this is how we guys get you involved more enter- entertainment for you guys, more just max sports in general, makes it longer episodes. It's about you guys at the end of the day. I love the community around kind of mid-American sports in general, and I hope you guys continue to support this podcast. Again, leave us feedback, suggestions, comment, wanna, and I think that's going to wrap it up. We'll talk to you guys next Friday with another exciting episodes of the Mid-American Bandwagon podcast.